0: pray that that river of the Spirit of God Ezekiel prophesied and spoke of a river that started from the altar started from under the altar and it flowed and everywhere that that river went there was life everywhere that that river went where there was no river there was death but everywhere that river went there were trees on either side of the banks of that river there was life that came out but it started at an altar and right now If you'll build yourself an altar, if you'll begin to cry out unto God, if you'll begin to confess your need of Him, I want you to know there's a river that can begin to flow in your life today. There's a river, and everywhere that river flows, it's going to bring light, but it starts at an altar. Someone, Come on, somebody just simply saying, I need you, Jesus. I can't do it on my own, God. I've tried to make it on my own, and I can't do it. Lord, all of my searching and all of my seeking have ended in confusion and frustration. So right now, Lord, I'm building me an altar. Lord, before I go one more step, before I go one more day, before I live one more moment, I'm building right here an altar. Hallelujah, an altar of sacrifice, an altar, O God, of surrender, and I'm pouring myself out unto you. And as we do that, Lord, I'm asking you, let that river begin to flow in this place. As Ezekiel said, it started out, it was just a river up to my ankles. The next thing I knew, it was a river to my loins. But the further I went, it was waters that I could swim in. Hallelujah. It was a place of freedom and liberty. And I pray right now, Lord, let us enter into those waters that we can swim in. Hallelujah. 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 Here's what I want us to do before we get into the Word this morning. I want you to give God praise, not for what He's doing for you right now, but for for what He's going to do for your neighbor. Come on, I want you to give God praise because He's setting somebody free in this house. I want you to give God praise because somebody is being loosed and liberated, because somebody is being refreshed and restored today. Heaven's open and I'm getting what I need from Jesus. Heaven's open and I'm not leaving here the way I came. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's just say all together, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Aren't you glad we serve a faithful God? Amen. He's a good Father. On Father's Day, aren't you glad we serve a faithful Father? Amen. Amen. So good to have everyone out this morning in the house of the Lord. I know particularly this morning, we're praying for Brother Roberts. Also, I know that this week in our community, there were several uh, shootings that took place. I believe it was Tuesday night. And I know that we have several of our young people that were there and witnessed what went on. And that's, you don't just walk away from that and go on with life as usual. That impacts you. And so we're praying. I don't want to put anybody in the spot, but we are praying for those of you that had to see that, just tragedy of events that unfolded this week. Pray for our community. There's only one answer for, for that, and that is Jesus. Our world needs Jesus. Amen. Have you know our world needs Jesus? Amen. Amen. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 11. I want to say it's good to have uh, my friend, my brother Chris Perkins, here today with us. God bless you, sir. We're glad to have you here today. Amen. Also good to have the Gibsons here from Living Hope D.C. representing D.C. today. We're glad to have you all. Amen. And to all of our guests, Living Hope, would you help me right now? And let's let all of our guests know today how glad and how thankful we are that they're here with us. That wasn't good enough. All right? That was good, but that wasn't good enough. I think we're a little more. Well, let's try one more time. Let's let all of our guests know how glad we are. That's better. That's better. That's better. Amen. We almost want you to feel when you walk out of living hope like that was a little weird how much they liked me. Amen. I don't think you can overdo it in our world today. There's so much animosity and hatred and division in our world today. I say, well, you're overdoing it, Pastor. I don't think there is such a thing. Amen. But here's how you're gonna, they're going to know you're my disciples by the way that you show love one to another. Not by how good you sing, not by how good you preach, but by the way you love one another. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And as you turn there, I just want to say a couple more things. First of all, we are going to be painting this week, but I want everyone to know it's not because the paint job wasn't, it was excellent, It's better than I could ever do. But we're just trying to get the right shade. I wasn't, after we did this, I said that's not what we're looking for, the color. The color they they did use was my choice, but it wasn't the right choice. So we're going to try again. All right? We'll get it right. That's the good thing about paint. You can replace it. You can paint over it. Um, so I want to make sure you know that it wasn't the paint job that was poor. Uh, it was done with excellence. Uh, also, July the 4th, Brother James Wilson will be here with us. I want to remind you guys of that. Brother James will be back home. And uh, the plan is, if everything goes as planned, he and uh, Carly, his new wife, after he graduates, she graduates, rather, um, from uh, college later this year, they're going to be moving back here and helping us in ministry. That's the plan. Amen. I, I want to make that public to put a little bit of accountability on Brother Wilson so that so you guys will know that, that that's, that's the plan, all right? So we're looking forward to them being here. If you don't know who James Wilson is, uh, he's one of our young men that came out of our church and is uh, doing great things for God. He's released a couple of albums that have done very well. Uh, he's a great singer, great musician, but an even uh, better preacher, And just, uh, we, we love him, so that's why I'm letting you guys know. You don't want to miss it if you can be here on July the 4th. All right, let's read together from the book of Luke chapter 11. And it came to pass that as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he stopped or he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father, Which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. If you could turn over to the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 14. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the Spirit. How many of you have received the Spirit in this house today? Amen. If you've received the Spirit, then you are not in bondage any longer. Amen. You did not receive a spirit unto bondage again unto fear, but you have received the Spirit of adoption, whereby or which gives us the ability to cry, Abba, Father. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated this morning. If the role of the Father could be accurately compared to a place, a date, and a time, if I could put the role of the Father into a metaphor that we could understand, I would say that in 2021, the role of the Father could be compared to about 8 a.m. on December the 7th of 1941 at Pearl Harbor because the role of the father is under attack. But I have come today with the word of God and the help of the spirit of God to bring reinforcement to every God-fearing father in this house today. And I want to give accolades to Brother Barry this morning. He did just, a, just such a refreshing delivery that he brought to us as he taught here in the 10 o'clock hour and he shared with us, uh, us transparently. compared himself and some areas that he's failed. And I'll let you tell him. I'll let him tell you the story of Circuit City if you didn't get to hear that. Amen. You don't want to miss that one. That one's a good. Or the time he stopped not to hit the albino deer that had run out in front of him. I'll let him share those stories with you. But also stories that he has excelled as a father. But then he compared that to uh, our Father Jesus Christ, who is always good. Amen. Always faithful and did such a tremendous job and then brother Tyler got up and it talked about being unqualified and uh, talked about that, that feeling as a father and, and I know every father can relate you may not want to admit it because as men we also have this thing called an ego amen where we don't want to ask for directions and we don't want to we don't want to let people know that we go on YouTube to find how to fix things right we want we want people to think that we know everything when, when in fact there's a whole lot that we don't know, but in reality, we all can relate, and Brother Tyler just brought an excellent word, three men from the Bible that were unqualified, but because they trusted in the Lord, amen, because uh, they, they allowed the Lord to work in their lives, God did what they couldn't have done. What a great word we heard this morning, and, and so I want to just kind of build upon that. In fact, Brother Barry, you used the passage today when you talked about that, that, the, the Lord's prayer that, that I'm going to use today, and I just want to preach for a few minutes today on simply these two words, our Father. Amen. In modern times, dads such as myself get a very bum rap for our excellence in humor. Brother Henry is with me today. I I know that many times that the humor of men such as myself, our wittiness and ability to Um, bring a a joke out of what you didn't even think there could have been a joke. We're able to find a way to turn humor out of what was not even intended to be humor. It's effectively today, and I know it's it's a statement of all, but they call it dad jokes. I like to call it wisdom. Speaking of a father's wisdom, I saw a story that exemplifies a father's wisdom. A young boy had just gotten his driver's permit, and he asked his father, who was a minister, If they could start the discussion about his usage of the car. His father took him into his office and said, I'll make a deal with you. If you'll bring all of your grades up, study your Bible more than you have been and get your hair cut, we'll talk about it. No, that's not me I'm talking about. That's not why the hair is the way it is. So after about a month, the boy came back again and asked his father if they could talk about him using the car. Again, the father led him into his office and Father said, son, I've been very proud of you. You brought your grades up. I see you studying your Bible a little bit more diligently, but you still haven't gotten your hair cut. The young man waited for a moment and replied, you know, dad, I've been thinking about this, and Samson had long hair. Moses had long hair. Noah had long hair. Even Jesus had long hair. To which his father replied, yes, you're right, and they walked everywhere they went. That's the wisdom of a father. Within the various realms of research, varieties, and vocations, the litany of leisurely pursuits, there are men that have obtained the honorary commendation and the title of father. For example, the father of physics is Galileo, whereas the father of modern-day physics has been deemed to be Albert Einstein. The father of American Civil Rights Movement, Frederick Douglass. The father of medicine, Hippocrates. The father of mathematics is Archimedes. The father, father of space flight, Werner von Braun. The father of chemistry, John Dalton. The father of the United States Constitution, James Madison. And one of, that is very relevant this time of the year, and that is the father of heating and cooling, a man by the name of Willis Carrier. We don't even know the guy, but we love that guy. Amen. Everybody say, thank God for Willis. The father of basketball, James Naismith. And I couldn't remiss to name the father of modern Pentecostalism, Charles Parham. We could exhaust our time today reciting the names of men across various genres and generations whose influence and inventions have earned them the title and the moniker of father. Within the scripture we find a few more of these in Romans chapter 4 verses 11 and 12 that Abraham is referenced as the father of those that believe. And the apostle James in the first chapter, the 17th verse of his epistle tells us that God is the father of lights. And all of these references speaking of these father figures, men who invented and transformed our world, Without any one of these men that I named, Galileo, Einstein, Archimedes, Hippocrates, all of these men have advanced us to where we are today out of their contributions. But the one that I would draw our attention to this morning for just a few minutes is the famed Luke chapter 11 verse 2 response of Jesus when his disciples requested that he would teach them to pray. And he replied to them, when you pray, say these words, our Father. I'm thankful for the father of air conditioning, and I'm thankful for the father of the civil rights movement, and I'm thankful for the father of the Constitution and all of these other fathers. But while I'm thankful for each of these men and their contributions, the impact that their inventions and their influence has had in our lives, even today there is no application of the term father that has more significance and meaning in my life as the understanding that he is my father. Nothing has transformed my life like the understanding that God is our Father. That he's got every situation and every circumstance in his hands. That no matter what I'm going through, no matter where I've been, no matter what's coming up against me, he is our Father. I know we passed by that, and it's just a quick segment in the Our Father prayer, but those two words, if you ever really get the revelation of who God wants to be in your life, it will change your ever-waking moment. It will change the way you face life. It will change the way you look at problems. It will change the way you go through circumstances. Say these things. Said when you pray, begin with this phrase, "Our Father," because prayer that doesn't begin with the understanding of a father's protection is powerless prayer. When you go to God and you pray and you don't understand that it's His instinct to protect you, your prayers are powerless. Prayer that does not begin with the revelation of a father's inherent tendency to provide. I appreciated what Brother Barry said today. And he phrased it in such a way that I thought was eloquent and beautiful alike when he said that my family should take me for granted. He said they should understand that every day I'm going to get up and I'm going to do everything in my power to provide for them. He said that should be what they expect of me. And when we don't begin our prayer with an understanding that God wants to provide for you, amen, that God desires to provide for you, amen, when you don't begin your prayer with that understanding, you are praying pointless prayers. But when you wake up in the morning and say, I Father, Lord, I know today you already want what is best for me. I know God before I ever crawled out of bed you had a path planned for me it makes the difference between a worshiper and a pew sitter when you understand that God is on my side he's not just a bystander or an onlooker he is my father I wonder if you if you have a revelation that God is your provider would you give him some praise right now we worship you Jesus And a prayer that is not initiated with the knowledge of a father's love is passionless prayer. Every time I begin to pray, and once again, I have to come and ask the Lord to forgive me. Anybody else had to pray that prayer more than once? More than a thousand? Amen. I'm still praying that prayer. I'm trying to figure out how to get to the point that I won't have to, but I do. But every time I pray that prayer, I envision in my mind, Brother Henry. A prodigal son returning back home. And the image that I see is not the prodigal son covered in the the, the slum of the pig pen, but what I see is a father running down the driveway. And I'm reminded of how much the father loves me. And so I begin my prayer with our father because I know no matter what I bring to him, his love is unconditional. No matter what I confess I've been through, no matter what I confess I've done, he's running to me. He's running. Our Father, which art in heaven. Some of you ought to be thanking him right now because you haven't always had it all together. You've been in some pig places, but in the middle of the pig pen you cried out and the Father came running to you. More important than the fathers of flight, Orville and Wilbur Wright, Or even the father of popcorn, Orville Rickenbacker, is the revelation that he is our father. He is my protector. He is my provider. And he is the unconditional lover of my soul. But what does it mean to be a father? When we begin our prayers with our father, what does it mean to be a father? Father. What does it mean when we designate to someone the distinction of being the father of a specific genre or sphere of influence? What does it mean when we accredit Willis Carrier as the father of heating and cooling or Albert Einstein as the father of modern physics? I'm just going to preach for a few more minutes today, but I believe there are two elements that can lead to the prestigious title of being a father. And I would say out of everything I've ever accomplished in my life the most prized title that I hold today is father pastor thank you God thank you for calling me pastor and recognizing me as a preacher and a man of God but I'm gonna tell you what really just gets to my heart is when my girls walk up and say daddy or they, they call it that that's the most prized title I hold and every father in this building should feel the same it's the most important role you'll ever feel is being a father The first way that we gain this title and we earn this role of being known as a father, the first way that we can get there is by being the creator or the originator of something. For example, Benjamin Franklin is called the father of electricity because he was the first one dumb enough to fly a kite in an electricity storm. (laughs) I mean, let's just be real. That's what happened. And he figured out, don't, don't try that one at home. But he figured out that you have the ability to harness the power of electricity when he flew a kite in a thunderstorm. Willis Carrier is the father of heating and cooling because he invented the first modern air conditioning system. James Madison is the father of the Constitution because he is the primary author of the powerful document that still today holds our nation together. James Naismith has been named the father of basketball not because He had more skills than LeBron or even Michael Jordan, not because he averaged triple-double in college, but because he invented the game in 1891 by suspending two peach baskets 10 feet off the ground at either end of a gym so that men could have something to do indoors. Many of these are named the father in their various fields of influence because it all started with them. Without James Naismith, there would be no basketball. Without Willis Carrier, we still might be using some of those fans donated by the funeral home. Some of you remember those? (laughs) Nothing more morbid than cooling off in church with a fan donated by a funeral home. Without Benjamin Franklin's first kite flight in a thunderstorm, who knows where we would be today. But can I tell you that without God as our father, without him in our lives, we would not exist. It is in him that I live and move and I have my being. The first reason that I call him my father is because my beginning is in him. The reason that I call him father is that way back in the book of Genesis, he looked at the chaos and the void, and he said, let there be, and there was. And it was in the beginning, on the sixth day of creation, uh, that God reached down into dust uh, and he formed the man. Don't you get so full of yourself uh, to think that you made you who you are? You had your beginning in a mighty God. Is there anybody that would acknowledge that without him I am nothing? John chapter 1 says it this way, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Our Father. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, if you're a guest here today and you come in and you look around and you might say, man, these people look like they've got it together. That pastor's got the coolest jacket I've ever seen anybody wear. <laughs> Thank you. Even if you weren't thinking that, I just wanted to plant that thought in your mind. You might walk in here today and say, man, these people got it together. They look good. I bet they're, they're a real religious class of people, but you don't understand. It all began with our Father. If you would have known me before Jesus, if you would have known us before God got involved, amen, we were sinners of the highest calling. We were sinners of the lowest degree, but God spoke into the chaos. But God spoke into the void. And that's why I call him my father, because anything good in me started with him. So we say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? And this is the first level of what it means to be a father. It is the ability to create, the biological capacity of a man to produce life. And I would say to every man in this room, you have within you the ability to be the origin of something new and something great. I I resist the lie and I reject the lie of the enemy that if you came from a broken situation, you have to produce a broken situation. I want to tell you, you are a father. That means you have the ability to say, I'm going to produce something new. I don't care what my dad did. I don't care what my grandfather did. It doesn't matter what the situation before me was like. I am a father. And it should be the heartbeat of every dad in this building today to say, I'm going to start something new. Devil, you're not going to destroy my children. You may have been at work to destroy me, but you will not destroy my children. It doesn't matter what generations before you might have been like. You have, by the definition of the word father, you have the ability to produce something new. You, you have within you the ability to create a better path for your family. You do not have to, listen to me, I'm speaking a word of faith to somebody today. You do not have to be bound by failures of previous generations. You do not have to repeat the mistakes by others that have gone before you. Some of you, I know that is simple, but if you would just get a hold of that one word of faith, your future can change. Every dad in this building, I want you to stand on your feet. Every man in this building, I want you to stand on your feet. You have the ability to produce. I don't care what your family tree looks like. I don't care how many branches are broken, how twisted the limbs are. You are a father or you will be a father and you have the ability to produce something new. I know you young men right now in the front row are uncomfortable. One of these days you will be. Amen. We have the ability, men, to produce a better. A New, and that's what Jesus Christ did. He came to give us a new and a better way. He is the everlasting Father that Isaiah prophesied when he said, Unto you, a child is born, a son is given, and his name upon him, uh, the, the, the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. I don't care if your dad was an alcoholic, a drug addict, a drug dealer, a pimp, it doesn't matter, you have the ability. Come on Cortez, I see great things coming out of you buddy, come on. I don't care, I know right now it may not be easy, but I'm telling you, you're a father. Today is a great day for every man in this building to decide, as Joshua did for his home. As for me and my house, we will. I'm a father. I'm a father. Hallelujah. There is a second explanation that describes many of these men that have been deemed the father of in their field of excellence and expertise. Some are known as the father because James Naismith, for example, he created the first. There are others that are called the father of that specific field or genre. But it goes beyond their invention. Because just the biological contribution that results, it goes beyond just the biological contribution that results in a new life. There's more to being a father than producing. I don't just call him my father because on the sixth day of creation he made man. I don't even just call him my father because... Forty years ago, roughly, I was baptized and given a new beginning when I was baptized and took on the name of Jesus. Yes, that was the origin, the beginning. But there's, how I don't mean, if you understand, dads, there's more to being a dad than producing a child. I hope we understand that. Many of the societal issues we face in our world today are results of men that have never moved beyond the first definition of what it means to be a father. Because they create and then they vacate. I know that there are circumstances, it's not all just quite that simple, I understand that. They have what it takes to produce, but they don't have what it takes to stick around and nurture and develop. But the second explanation that would elevate these men in whatever genre it was to be deemed the father of is that they're they're, they're remembered because they made significant contributions to the development in that technology. In other words, Albert Einstein is the father of physics. But he didn't invent in physics. It didn't start with him. There was a Galileo before him. But what Albert Einstein did is he stepped into a field that already existed. And he said, I'm going to make such an impact and I'm going to be such an influence that it's never going to be the same again. He began to formulate the relationship between mass and energy. He developed the theory of relativity, which I don't even know what that means. But Google said that's what he did. Brother Trey, you can help me out later with that one. See, he did not invent physics, but he decided I'm going to influence it, uh, that my influence is going to be greater than any other person in this world. uh, And that today is why we call him the father of modern physics. Frederick Douglass did not invent civil rights, but he stepped in during a time When minorities were enslaved and women's rights were oppressed. uh, And he stepped in there and said, I'm going to do more than anybody else has ever done. Uh, I'm going to transform the civil rights movement. Uh, One authority on the life of Frederick Douglass described his contribution. And I quote, he said this to Frederick Douglass. He rose through determination brilliance and eloquence to shape the American nation he was an abolitionist human rights and women's rights activist an orator an author a journalist a publisher and a social reformer and that today is why we honor Frederick Douglass as the father of the civil rights movement is he said I'm gonna do more than anybody else has ever done I'm gonna influence it like nobody else ever has it doesn't have to start with you but you can get involved And it doesn't just end when I produce something. But now I'm going to influence that child. I'm going to influence that young adult. I'm going to be involved in their life. Hippocrates did not invent medicine. Mathematics did not originate with Archimedes. But they stepped into a field. And they influenced in in such a way And they transformed it in such a way that nobody else ever could or would before or after them. And I want to pause and say to the dads in this room, don't underestimate your influence in your child's life. Don't, don't underestimate that time that you sit down with your child and you throw the ball across the room with them. Don't underestimate that 10 minutes that you sit down and let them tell, tell you about that problem that you think is so small and insignificant. That's how you get the role of being called a father. It's not because you produce something. It's because you nurture I want every dad to stand on your feet one more time. Listen, you are the most important people in this room right now. You are influencing a generation. All right, that didn't sound. And now listen, Mother's Day, we clap for everything. Mom does one. race. Standing ovation because mom does laundry, and I'm not thank you, wife, for doing laundry. But we cannot, in this hour, we better applaud the men in this room that are influencing their children. If you want to be called father, then you got to stay involved. If you want to be called father, then you got to be an influence. It's not just about producing. your influence does not end with procreation it starts there and hear me right now this sunday morning there is a demonic hellish agenda that has been unleashed upon our world and upon the united states of america it hides itself under the disguise of equality and compassion when its agenda if you peel back the upper layer That says it's all about loving everybody and about being equal and and, and just caring for people that others won't care for. If you peel back the top layer of that onion, you're going to find that at the root of it, it is an agenda that wants to destroy your family. (laughs) Organizations out there that adopt a a meaning that, that, that is a good meaning they, they take a hold of a phrase or a meaning and and it's a very good thing but but their motives are anything but pure and if you dig just a little bit and i'm asking you all the bible says we need to have the gift of discernment try some things and see whether they be of the lord or not before you throw yourself behind something just because it sounds like a good thing you need to know at the root of it what is it really about there are things going on in our world right now that that uh, on the surface they look like they're for good things. But if you read a little bit down, you're going to find out they are for the destruction of the family. All this LBGQTRSMZUTY whatever stuff. Listen, some of you are getting offended right now at me. Can't believe he's going there. Well, believe I'm going there. And we should not hate anybody. I don't care what decisions they make with their life. If they love somebody the same gender as them, we don't hate them. We're not putting them in hell. We should pray for them and we should love them. But really at the root of that movement is about destroying the family. Masculinity in our world today has been deemed to be toxic while transgenderism and pedophilia are being normalized. Why? Because the enemy knows that your influence, dad's, has the ability to transform. There's nothing like a dad. There's nothing like when you pray our father that has the ability to transform your prayer. And there's nothing like a strong dad. Hear me right now. It's time for men to stand up. Dad, it's time for you to get a backbone and stand up. Stop letting Nickelodeon raise your child and you raise your baby. Stop letting Disney Plus raise your child and you raise your baby. Because if you don't get involved, this world is going to steal them from you. The worst thing you can be in this modern society is a strong Christian male who leads his home in the fear of God. You can do just about anything else, and there's a group out there that will champion your cause and excuse your perversion. But the moment you stand up and lead your family, it's decided you are toxic. And it's time for you to be canceled. And so, men, I'm challenging you. The greatest father contributions that your kids will know in this life is not Steve Jobs, the father of the iPhone. It's not Walt Disney, the father of animation. But it's your daily contribution in their lives. It is your daily exemplifying for them, not perfection but pursuing. It's your daily modeling for your children how to love God and how to love others. The greatest influence, the greatest father in this room today is when your children watch you every Sunday. You get up and you're fighting a little headache or maybe all the bills, they don't know that, but all the bills aren't paid and that's why you got the headache and Everything, you, know, you woke up a little bit late, it would be easy to just stay home that day. But you get up and you bring them to the house of God. I want you to know that's how you get the title, our father. That's how you get called a father. It's when you influence that next generation and you say like Joshua, we're going to serve the Lord. Yeah. Now let me get back to the spiritual application of the message. Musicians can come. power of Matthew 6 9 prayer our father did not end when he formed Adam from the dust and breathed life into him he is not my father simply because he created humanity yes in some sense he is the father of every person that's ever been created because we all have our beginning with him but there's another level of fatherhood that goes beyond just creating and procreating and anyway He is our father because he stepped into our lives and he transformed them in a way that nobody else ever could. Amen. Like Einstein who stepped into a field that had already been there, but he said, you know what? I'm going to invest myself into this thing so much that it's going to be transformed and it will never be the same again. Isn't that what God did for us? He stepped down into our lives and he said, I'm going to transform Cortez in such a way that he'll never be the same again. Thank you, Lord, that you authored me and you created me. Thank you, Lord, that way back in the garden, you reached down in the dust and you formed man, and I come from that lineage and that heritage. Thank you, God, that you gave me a beginning. But, Lord, I thank you today because, like the writer of Hebrews said, you are not just the author, but you are the finisher. Oh, thank you, God, because you stuck around. And you loved me when I was unlovable. You healed me when I was broken. You helped me when I was wounded. You found me when I was lost. Our Father. He is my Father because He loved me when nobody else could love me. He is my Father because he forgave me when nobody else could forgive me. He is my Father because he lifted me when nobody else could lift me. Could you stand with me right now and let's raise our hands. Our Father. Our Father. Oh, he could have stopped at the cross. He could have stopped and said i did what i I did what a father should do i've done all that a father should do but he didn't stop at the cross every morning he's waiting when you get out of bed every day he's standing by in the midst of your storm he's my father because he healed me when nobody else could heal me i need somebody to raise your hands if he loved you when you were unlovable He's more than the father of electricity, more than the father of heating and cooling, more than the father of, of mathematics and chemistry. He is our father. Because we have received the spirit of adoption, we can raise our hands today. We could say, our father which art in heaven, Listen, if you're in this building today and you know him as your creator, but you don't understand that he wants to step into your chaos and void and he wants to transform your life, I want you to know there is a spirit of adoption. Amen. That he may not have been there from the beginning of your life, but right now I know a God that wants to step down into your world and transform you. So I invite you to come down to this altar and raise your hands with me. To our Father, oh, Lord, I want to thank you today because you could have walked out so many times that I messed up. You went beyond just creating me. You went beyond just producing me. God, you've nurtured me. You've loved me. You've transformed me. You've healed me. I want you to forget about your neighbor right now. And I just want you to get alone with your Father. I pray that spirit of adoption would be unleashed in this building today. That the Holy Ghost would begin to move upon lives. And some of you, that you brought your brokenness today, I want to introduce you to a good Father. I want to introduce you to a heavenly Father that will love you like you've never been loved before. this room I want to ask with our heads bowed I don't want anybody looking around but if you're here today and you understand God as your father in creation you know he created you but you say today preacher I, my life is a mess I'm broken I'm hurting I have no direction this world has walked out on me I feel abandoned and rejected here today and that's you and you say you know what i need that father that you're talking about that nurturer that one that would be more than just a father in creation but one that today with that spirit of adoption would come to me and i would be able to know him as more than just the one that produced me but the one that loves me even though today i feel unlovable is there anybody that would raise your hand come on, all across this building please don't look around out of respect for one another but their hands up all across this building Sometimes, it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to I'm going to